Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Let the Right Film In. Hope everyone's having a good start to their October season. I think, what's today's day? October 13th? Yeah, we're about one-third, I guess, the way through. Hope everyone's watching, you know, some good horror films. My name is KJ, by the way, if you're new here, <laughs> and I just got done watching the new Dario Argento horror film, Dark Glasses. So yeah, I just finished this film just oof, not even like 20 minutes ago, and I decided I wanted to hop on the podcast, record an episode, just kind of like my, I guess, initial reaction to the film. <laughs> I'm not a huge Dario Argento fan by any means. I like his work, but I haven't watched like all of his filmography, so I can't call myself you know, a diehard fan or anything like that. Um, actually though, if you've listened or if you go way back in the feed, my first ever episode on this podcast, when it was originally called Lights Out, was Dario Argento's probably most famous film or most popular, Suspiria. That was the first film I ever recorded a podcast on. Uh, I'm sure it's not good. <laughs> I have not listened to it since then. That was close to coming up on two years now. I think I recorded that in January of 2020. So yeah, it's gonna be two years. Oh no, was it? No, sorry. It was January 2021. It was after COVID when I started doing this. So yeah, it's gonna be two years in January of 2023. But yeah, that was the first episode I ever recorded. So I guess a little bit of, um, <laughs> I guess he holds like a special place in my heart for this podcast, if that makes any sense. But yeah, so I was looking and like I said, I haven't been following his career by any means, but he hasn't uh, directed or written a film in about a decade now. His last film was Dracula 3D in 2012 which I don't believe is very popular or got very good reviews. I was reading that, you know, his last few films actually haven't been up to par, I guess, with his earlier work like Opera and Suspiria. And yeah, so this was kind of like a comeback for him. Like I said, he's been off for about 10 years now. So a lot of people were eagerly waiting, yeah, the release of this film. I think at first... It premiered at the 2022 Berlin Film Festival, and then I think like a month later it got released in Italy, and then it kind of did like the film festival circuit, filmed, or uh, it premiered here in the U.S. at a couple film festivals, and then even a few weeks ago, I know Shudder, they announced early on that they had the rights to this film, or they had at least like the streaming rights here in the U.S. to this film. But they actually, I think like early October, like a few, like a week or so ago, they had like a secret screening. They do that so every so often where they don't announce uh, what the film is until, so you basically have to like, uh, almost like what cable television kind of just prime in or sit down and watch like a one, or I think it's on Fridays. I'm all going all over the place now, but I know they had like a secret screening for everyone. If you tuned in on Shutter at a certain time, they announced like right there and then, and they filmed or had like its premiere like on Shutter, basically Dark Glasses. But yeah, I kind of went into this film pretty blind. Um, didn't know too much about it. Did not watch the trailer. Did not even look at the plot synopsis or anything. I kind of just wanted to go in fresh, like I normally do. I am somewhat of a fan of Giallo films. I feel like they kind of have like a special place in my heart. Again, I'm no expert by any means, and I have not watched. I would say I'm still a newbie to Giallo films, but from what I've watched, I quite enjoy it, to be honest. Even last year, I did uh, The Last Matinee, which was a Giallo um, 
themed or yeah inspired film and i really really enjoyed that film and even edgar wright's film last year last night in soho that film didn't do too well in theaters and a lot of people kind of were negative on the film but i know he said he was inspired by giallo films and that movie it's yeah itself kind of has giallo uh, like a giallo style and themes to it and I really liked last night in Soho that one that's definitely a, not so much giallo I will say but yeah I really enjoyed that film as well but yeah again like I was saying I do like giallo films um, when I think of giallo I think you know of the score I think of course of you know close-ups on the black gloves and um, you know, the knife or whatever instrument uh, the killer is using to kill someone and kind of just like over the top gore. I know there is much more to <laughs> Giallo films, um, even, you know, just the way it's lit, uh, you know, with colors and definitely with like Suspiria. But I also, like I said, I really like almost like, uh, I don't know. I don't, the only way I could describe like the score to most Giallo films, or at least the ones I've watched, it's almost like you're at a club, <laughs> the way the music is really, yeah, getting your heart rate going and kind of almost, you almost tap in your foot too when you're listening to it. And it kind of just gets, you know, the beat and the mood up kind of. But I almost even like the, how Giallo films are almost overdone <laughs> with their kills and their gore. And, but it also, it just has its own style. It's really hard to describe because when you say over, like the kills and the gore, this isn't like Terrifier levels. And, you know, I guess films made in the U.S. the way they do gore and violence. I don't know. It's just like the close-up on, like, the knife when they always show, like, a kill. And then, they you know, stabbing the person. You kind of just get, like, a real close-up of it. I don't know. I like everything about Giallo-style films. I just feel like they're really fun. <laughs> and they almost give you, like, the feeling of watching an older horror film. You know, something from, like, the 80s and maybe 70s and 80s and... It at least brings me back to, you know, early days of watching horror slasher films and what I, you know, really enjoy when I'm watching horror films. So, yeah, I guess enough about that. Let's just talk about the movie itself. So, like I said, Dark Glasses. And I, like I said, went into it pretty much blind, but it's a pretty simple story. So let's just go through it very quickly. I will say the opening of this film is probably the most, I don't want to say confusing, but at the end of the day, it doesn't make much sense. So we open to our main character, Deanna, and she's driving, you know, through the city. But I love the way this is shot because it's very ominous and eerie feeling. And we see, you know, her, she's driving and she's looking around and she sees a lot of people, you know, with sunglasses on and they're looking up into the sky. And I was curious i didn't know what was going on and then eventually she stops at a park she pulls over and she sees that she, they're all looking at the solar eclipse and she joins in with them she puts on sunglasses and yeah that's the opening shot the opening yeah first couple minutes of the film as we see the solar eclipse happen and our main character yeah watching it and then we cut to i would say i guess like the second opening of the film which i really enjoyed we i don't think we ever learned this lady's name but we see a prostitute leaving a hotel room, and as she's walking, this is when we get the close-up of our killer for the first time. We just see his hands with the black gloves. He's got, like, um, wire, uh, barbed wire, or, yeah, steel wire, and he quickly grabs the prostitute as she's walking down the road, the street, grabs her, pulls her into the bushes, and starts strangling her. 
again, very bloody and gory. And then he just leaves her to die. And basically when he's strangling her with, like I said, the wire, it cuts open her throat and she's laying there choking on blood. And yeah, just all like the practical effects. I guess that's also what I meant with Giallo films is how they use a lot of like practical effects with their gore and their kills. And I really just like that as well. But we see everyone come running to her aid and she's just laying there dead or dying. And like I said, coughing up blood and there's a ton of blood and you get a really good close up of the neck wound, like her neck slit and just the blood pumping out of it. <laughs> and actually, I would say this is probably the best kill in the whole movie, this opening kill where we get introduced to this killer, which like all Giallo killers is usually just a guy <laughs> with really no reason to be a murderer or anything besides him just wanting to kill usually innocent women. And then we see him drive off, or at least a witness saw that he was in a black van and we see him drive off. And then we quit quickly see the killer he starts he spray paints his car his van at least to white now and that's and we learned from the cops we get introduced to like two cops and they talk about how this is now the fourth or the third i think uh prostitute that has been murdered actually we learn this a little bit later but we know basically like, yeah there's a serial killer out on the loose that's targeting prostitute sex workers so now we catch up again with deanna and we see her, you know, going through her working, I guess, life. And she works as a prostitute. And we see her, we see her interact, I think, with her second or third client. And it's this good looking guy, younger guy, I think, uh, Matt or Matty is what he says. And he comes into her house and she tells him that he stinks, he reeks. And he says that he works with dogs, which becomes uh, <laughs> which at the time you just kind of brush off but it becomes important later but he's like sweaty and from coming from work and she says that he stinks and he needs to take a shower basically and then we see that she's been waiting for a while and when eventually he comes out you know she asks what took so long and he just says well you said i stunk and then he just says uh see you later slut <laughs> and he leaves her uh yeah <laughs> and that's that scene there and he goes off and then eventually when she has another client, we see her leaving and then she gets attacked. She go, we see the white van, she gets into her car and we see the white van like kind of at the end of the road. And then, you know, she's looking down and when she looks back up, we see the guy with the gloves. He's all dressed in black, start pounding on her door or her window, at least trying to break in. And she's able to drive off and he hops back in the van and starts chasing after her. We get this car chase scene. And then he ends up kind of coming up behind her, hitting her with uh, his van, sending her basically going through like a red light. And this other car, this uh, Chinese couple with their kid, basically get caught in the middle. And it's not like a funny scene, but you get like a close up of them kind of like their faces screaming when they see her car coming into theirs. And the way she hits them, basically, she kind of like runs right like over top of the couple sitting in the front kills them basically instantly except for the mom i think uh the dad dies instantly but the mom goes into a coma but she flips her car over and of course and we see that the young kids in the back he's still alive and he looks on and he sees the white van kind of in the distance stopped there watching so then we cut to i don't know if it's just the next day or what but we see that diana wakes up in the hospital 
and she's unable to see. She's got, you know, bandages around her head, and the doctor tells her that the impact from when she hit the back of her head, it has caused her to go blind, and possibly uh, the hemorrhage, maybe once, like, the swelling and the bleeding stops, maybe she'll get her blind, or she'll get her blind, maybe she'll get her eyesight back, but it's very slim. So, yeah, we now see that Diana is blind. And then this is where I would say, I guess, the film kind of starts to somewhat drag a little bit. The film itself is only 86 minutes long, so perfect length. You know, you're kind of in and out, not too long, under an hour and a half. But we see her kind of adjusting to her new life as a blind person. Um, she meets, she gets, or a worker gets sent to her, I think Rita, who's actually Dario Argento's daughter in real life. She gets sent to basically, you know, teach her how to live as a blind person. And these are good scenes, seeing them kind of develop a friendship and just her basically having to live, you know, in her house and then, you know, go out and about. She also gets her a guide uh, dog, Nira, I believe. So she gets a German Shepherd uh, seeing eye dog and Nira, like I said. And eventually she goes to meet with Chin, the young, the young boy who is still alive. He's like, I don't know, probably eight or so. But he's currently, uh, he's living um, like an orphanage that's run by uh, nuns. She goes there, and he's having trouble there. Basically, he's not—he's um, not speaking much. He's not, and when he does, he's having issues with like the other boys there, basically the other kids. But Deanna goes; she takes him like a Nintendo Switch or something, which at first he doesn't take. He doesn't seem very interested. Obviously, he's upset because his dad has died. His mom's in a coma. And the nun says that, you know, eventually, pretty soon, he's going to get placed in, like, foster care. He's going to go to a foster home and kind of just start that process. Uh, she leaves her card there, and when she leaves, the other boys take the Nintendo Switch when he throws it, but he eventually wants it back. And he starts fighting with the kids, but Diana ends up coming back kind of to his rescue, and he gets his Switch back. He sees, you know, she's got a pretty cool dog as well. And he notices that she left, you know, her card, her information there where she lives, her number and everything. And basically, he just follows her and shows up at her house and says, you know, that he'll help her, basically. And he doesn't want to go into foster care and he doesn't want to be at the orphanage and he'll just, you know, stay with her and help her out and everything. So them two kind of develop somewhat of a friendship or, yeah, kind of like a, a mom-son relationship, basically. Eventually, we find out that his mom has passed away. They don't say that directly, but she gets the call from like a police officer, and we kind of just know what that conversation is, but she chooses not to tell Chin right away. But we see them kind of going through, like I said, kind of, I guess, daily life. The cops come to her house because they assume that she has somewhat kidnapped the boy because they know he ran away from the orphanage. They're looking for him. And she actually made a call when he first showed up. She called, like, the detective on the case. And they kind of just put two and two together that he showed up there, even though she quickly hung up. <laughs> but, so they come to the house saying, you know, they want to come in. They want to find, you know, see if he's there. She's able to shoo them away at first. But when they say they're going to get a warrant to come back, they quickly leave. And they go to, I think he says, somewhere where he, his old home, basically. So we get like another kill here when the two cops again show up later in the night to her apartment slash house and she's not there. 
and it's very kind of random but the guy he shows up i think before they even show up and i'm um he like kind of sprays you know she leaves her dog there which she should not have done but he you know sprays some sort of chemical in the dog's face to you know have her you know fall asleep and then the cops show up he's in the white van and he floors it and he runs over the male cop first and hits him he's dead and the woman kind of just i don't know she doesn't do i guess what i don't know any normal person probably would do she like runs up to him at first and she's like checking him and instead of just, you know, trying to attack the guy or maybe run away from him, she, like, goes to his door. <laughs> I think she does shoot at him, but then she just goes to, you know, open his door, to which he opens it quickly, knocks her out on the ground. And then we get a cool shot when she's trying to get away. She's, like, knocked out on the ground, bloody face, and she's trying to reach for her gun. The killer drags her kind of back, and then we just see, like, how I mentioned, like, the close-up of the knife, and then he just stabs her right in the middle of the back. <laughs> you know, music playing and everything. So them two are killed, and then eventually Diana and um, Chin... Uh, I forget exactly now, even though I just saw what exactly happens next, but they make... Oh, they go to see Rita. So basically, I guess, you know, where he was living, it doesn't work out that they can just stay there. I don't exactly I think they just she makes a call to Rita and Rita says to come over to her house which is like a cabin kind of like out in the woods somewhere in the middle of nowhere so they make their way over to her house Rita already knows about the situation that the cops got killed so she tells Diana once like Chin goes you know where he goes to sleep even though he doesn't go to sleep right away she asks about you know where the dog is all that and eventually, see, Rita says, you know, you guys stay here, and she's going to go back to her apartment, possibly to go get her dog and just kind of see what's going on. And as she's driving away, we see the van approaching, you know, on the other side of the road, coming down the road. She doesn't make the connection at first until she, like, drives past, and then she quickly calls Diana. It's like, you guys got to get out of there. He notices. So then we get, this is, we get the reveal of him right there and then because we see like him in the car or in the van driving i didn't make the connection at first but this is the same guy from earlier one of uh diana's clients but this is the stinky guy basically that she told you know you stink <laughs> and get a, or take a shower first so it turns out it's this guy and we also see that he has taken uh nira and because if you remember he says he works with dogs so he takes her and takes her back to basically like where he lives which he has a bunch of dogs and he just like sells them and we find out a little bit later his plan is because she's a not a police dog she's a um seeing eye dog that she's worth a lot of money so he plans on selling her but then he turns around and he chases after rita we get a kind of cool chart or we get a pretty cool uh car chase scene very quick but he drives up next to her and basically just you know uh forces her off the road to which she just um slide you know goes off into i guess basically just the open field and then hits something and same thing car flips over and as she tries to get out he just goes and strangles her with a big rope killing her so yep rita's gone <laughs> i think there was a total of seven deaths i read in this film but i think i only got two three four i gotta think who are the other ones oh okay <laughs> i guess i kind of somewhat know who's next but 
So, yeah, and then we get basically a chase scene where Deanna and Chen are kind of just in the woods. You know, they leave Rita's house and they're in the woods running. We get this snake scene kind of out of nowhere where they go into some, I guess, like a pond, water, or lake, little lake, river. And there's a bunch of snakes in there and we see them, you know, biting at their legs. And it's kind of chaotic because it's dark. We see the snakes in the water and then somehow these snakes are like, on them where the one snake is actually choking diana at some point and on top of chin and yeah for me like i am very uncomfortable and don't like snakes so this was kind of getting me somewhat uh squirrely <laughs> and making uh yeah like the uh, hair on the back of my neck you know and everything just oof, give me goosebumps a little bit didn't really like that scene, but it goes on for a little while. Eventually, they make it to the road where they see another car coming. They stop the car. It's two guys. And they are going to, you know, these seem like two good guys. They're going to help uh, Diana and Chin out. But the van, again, comes flying out of nowhere. And, again, now we fully are getting the full uh, view of this killer, this guy. And he comes out of the car and he starts fighting <laughs> these two guys. I think he hits one of them at first with the van. Then he comes out and they start fighting. Um, there's like a shotgun in the back of the van that, or back of the car from these two guys that Chin's able to get a hold of. He gives it to Diana. This is somewhat <laughs> some good, com at least for me, comedy here because you know she's like help me aim and you know they're trying to <laughs> they're trying to shoot at the guy and it's it's pretty funny because she shoots you know he's standing right there at this point he knocks like the two guys down they're like knocked out and the killer's just standing in front of him a little distance away and he's kind of you know like try to shoot me and she's you know they're trying to aim at her she shoots and she's like did i get him and then uh, chin's like no and then you know they aim again and she shoots and she's like did i get him and he's like no i don't something about that i don't know what <laughs> i don't know if it's supposed to be funny but for some reason it just cracked me up but eventually the two guys regain consciousness and they start fighting the guy again they actually start beating him up pretty good it seems like and they're able, uh, Diana and Chin are able to run away again like they did. <laughs> and they run to like another cabin somewhere else or they go back to Rita's house. I'm not sure. But it turns out, even though these two guys seem to get the upper hand on the murderer, the guy, they start beating him up pretty good. It turns out that no, he kills them both. So he is again chasing after them. And we get another funny scene. This is where it connects to me because I didn't know who this guy was at first, this reveal when we saw him in the car. But they they like run outside the house and then he just like comes from like the other side, like turns a corner and he's like, it's me, the guy who stinks. <laughs> I don't know if she said before that. I don't know if I, if I didn't catch this. I don't know if she said something smells and that's why he said that. But it happens really fast and out of nowhere. And the way he just like turns the corner and grabs them both. He like grabs the kid and grabs her like by the neck. And he's like, it's me, the guy who stinks. And that's when it made the connection to me who the guy was. But it's just so funny. I just could not help but laugh out loud <laughs> when he said that. So we're getting towards the end. He's got them in the back of the van. And he's taking them to basically like his, like I said, house, compound, whatever, where he has all the dogs. And he's got them 
but he basically like tied up like in his shed or barn and he even again he's very hurt that she and he basically we find out his reason for going after her is because she humiliated him when she said you know you stink <laughs> and take a shower and that what that's what drove him to want to kill her basically so i'm assuming he had this interaction with the other prostitutes basically his feelings kept getting her and then he would go after them but just that the reason itself is enough again to kind of make you chuckle at least for me it's just so like out there but he's like i'm gonna you know give you a shower now and he pulls out like a hose and starts you know uh drenching them <laughs> basically like power washing them down and we get a cool scene because we see that niera uh, the German Shepherd dog, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, she's like sitting with the other dog. There are a bunch of dogs, they're all barking, but she's like really well behaved. She's like sitting kind of like um, in a cage, and then she hears her owner, Deanna, yelling for help, and she uh, eventually breaks free, and this is a good scene, and she comes uh, basically to their rescue, and we get like a standoff because she shows up, and the the guy, the murderer, the serial killer, He's like telling her, you know, stop, stay. And she's listening because, you know, she's a good dog. And Diana's like, no, help, please. And she's like, it's a pretty cool scene because she'll like get up, ready to attack. And then he's like, no, sit down. And she sits down, the dog. But eventually she listens to her owner and he like turns around and he pulls out a knife and she runs right at him, jumps and, you know, mauls him to death. But she does get a stab wound. We hear her yelp and she does get like sliced in the side. But we get another great like close-up scene. He's on his back, laying on the ground, and uh, <laughs> the dog is just mauling at his neck, just tearing it apart. And again, really good practical effects. You could tell the dog <laughs> when we see like the side of her face biting is somewhat, you know, obviously fake. But it's so good. <laughs> I don't know. I just liked it. It was like again giving me just some good old-fashioned like horror vibes. But we get like a long sequence of the dog mulling at this guy's neck and chewing like his skin, just ripping it apart and then chewing it. We see the actual dog obviously probably just eating some meat that they gave it, but chewing this skin apart. And then he's laying there. It's kind of like full circle to his first kill because he's laying there on his back with his throat you know basically cut open and he's bleeding to death ton of blood and he's you know choking on it and again like i said somewhat like full circle to the opening his first kill with that one prostitute when he strangled her and uh, basically kind of slit her throat open so it was cool to see him go out that way and yeah basically it's kind of the end of the story so then we kind of flash forward to we see the cops come you know everything's good and then we flash forward i don't know how much longer or how much into the future but we did get a mention from chin that he has family in hong kong he has like a cousin and he says that she works because when he asked diana what she does she says she works like in public re relations or psychology or something like that and he's like oh yeah that's what my cousin does and we assume we don't know if exactly if that's what she actually does or if she's actually a prostitute like Diana, but they're at the airport and we can see by like all the cities we see like Hong Kong's like boarding and then we see, you know, them two standing there hand in hand and then we see this cousin, you know, coming and she seems professional and nice and she comes running up and, you know, is all excited to see Chin and we see the cops also come up and they say, you know, all the paperwork is looking good for, you know, this cousin to take him back to Hong Kong and basically adopt him. And I guess like the custody paperwork. And yeah, it was kind of a nice, sweet little ending. I thought maybe them two would, you know, I guess 
live out their days together <laughs> as like kind of like a mother son relationship diana and chim but no the right thing happens where he goes back to, with his family and when he's leaving it's kind of funny because the cousin you know she doesn't even really like introduce herself or anything she just comes up you know yay happy and she's just kind of like okay we gotta go as they're like saying their goodbye she's kind of like quickly like okay you know cut it short we gotta go now move let's move on but they say goodbye and he says you know you know you better come see me in hong kong and she says i promise i'll come see you and then you know as they go off you know to get on the plane we see diana there with uh niera her guide dog and she's looking good she's dressed nicely and the cops ask her you know they're like do you do you need a ride home and she says no she's like i'll and you could tell she's basically just like not in the mood to deal with them or doesn't have much respect for them. But also too, I guess this shows growth <laughs> that she is now living more comfortable, you know, as a blind person when we saw, yeah, her crying in the beginning in the hospital when she found out and then her kind of struggling to adapt. She's there at the hospital or she's there at the airport, you know, in the middle with chaos all around her everyone moving in different directions which i'm assuming is very hard because when rita was helping her she was like you know listen to the sound of the cars to help you guide you know which direction you're walking in and where you're going but like chaos people are running around all around her but she's you know stands tall and proud and says no you know we got this i can make it home and they ask if she's sure she says yeah and she starts, you know, walking, you know, into the crowd, you know, heading out. This is kind of a sad scene here because they both stop her and her dog. And she kind of, you know, kneels down, starts petting uh, Niera. And she just tells her, this is the last line of the film. She says, you know, you're my only friend now. And then we kind of cut to black. And I thought that was kind of a sad, you know, little scene to end on. But also kind of nice, you know, her living with her dog as well. <laughs> and hopefully... We'll see. I don't know what will happen to her in the future, but basically, yeah, that everything's done with this serial killer at least. But again, I thought it was kind of a sweet, bittersweet ending to the film. And overall, like I said, I really did enjoy this film. <clears throat> I really did enjoy this film. I had a lot of fun watching it. It gets kind of wacky here and there with this storyline. I liked the kills. It probably could have been a little bit more. There wasn't like a ton of kills. I liked the first one with the prostitute when he grabs her and pulls her into the bushes. And then I liked the last kill too when the dog, you know, mauls the, our killer to death. But again, like his reasoning for going after her and when he like announces, you know, it's me, the guy who stinks, I just could not help but laugh. And I'm still thinking about that and just kind of giggle, giggling. <laughs> The only thing I was a little confused was, I, again, I kind of already mentioned it, but the beginning of the film, when we get her, we see her with the solar eclipse and she puts the sunglasses on, that's, I guess it's somewhat foreshadowing what's going to happen to her because, you know, she puts the glasses on and she's unable to see when everything goes uh, dark. And we hear like other people talking, you know, saying like, oh, the animals don't like it when it's dark and how people back in the day thought the world was ending. We hear like people chattering in the background. So I guess that's somewhat like foreshadowing what's going to happen to our main lead and how she's going to basically live with the glasses on and you know, when she goes blind and live in darkness, basically. But I just thought, you know, with the solar eclipse, I thought there was going to be some sort of, I don't even know, I don't want to say like science fiction or I don't know. I thought something with the solar eclipse might 
happen or yeah her blindness deal with i don't even know where i'm going with it but i just thought something the way it's set up that the solar eclipse would have something to do throughout the rest of the film but it's a cool opening and like i said it's very like eerie and you kind of just don't know what's going to happen next which i guess is pretty cool but that was my only like question was just kind of like what was up with that but i guess that like i said i kind of answered it myself saying that i guess it's really just foreshadowing what's going to happen to our main character but yeah, again, like I said, overall, I really did enjoy this film. I also did read that Dario, Dario Argento, he wrote the script for this. And I think it was finished like in 20 or 2002. And that's when he was planning on making this film. But like the production company that he worked for ended up filing for bankruptcy. So they had to shelve this script and then, yeah, just basically didn't never got made until now. So, yeah, this was an older script that he wrote almost 20 years ago. Basically, yeah, 20 years ago at this point. So just an interesting little fact there. <laughs> and, yeah, I think that's going to do it for this episode. I'm trying to keep it a little bit short here. But, again, like I said, I had a lot of fun watching it. If you're in the U.S., it's currently streaming on Shudder. You can watch it there. And I'm not sure where it's playing, you know, in other countries, if it's on Shutter in other countries or if you're able to rent it or not. But definitely do check this out if you're a fan of Dario Argento, if you're a fan of Giallo films. And if you're just looking for kind of like a fun slasher, definitely check it out. I had a lot of fun watching this film. And yep, I'm going to plug my socials really quick. If you want to follow the podcast, please do on Twitter at Foreign Film Pod. Follow the podcast there. And you can follow my personal letterbox, see what I'm up to, see what I'm watching, at KJ Steiner. And yep, that's going to do it again for this episode. Like I said early on, I hope everyone's having a really good start to October. Hope everyone's watching a lot of good horror films. And I know I'm going to be back pretty soon because a new South Korean horror film comes out, I think, tomorrow. But I'm not going to watch it till next week. And then I will, I forget the title of it, I apologize. It's from the director of um, Old Boy, I believe. So yeah, check me out. I'll be back very soon with another episode. But until then, hope everyone has a good rest of the week. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.